Chapter 20, Stop Devaluing Yourself. The worst loneliness is not being comfortable with yourself. Mark Twain. You and I are unique. There is no one alive or who has ever lived or who ever will live who is just like you. Every person has a special gift to give that can make the world a better place. I believe that everyone can experience well-being despite suffering in life. Well-being is more a state of mind than a physical state. Many have been raised in a harsh environment with an abusive parent. The messages of not being good enough play over and over in the minds of many people because of the way they were raised or disappointments in life. Erasing these recordings and imprints on the brain are difficult and, for many, require some structured professional help. My father's vocation was that of a pastor, a college professor, and a marriage and family counselor. I had been fortunate to grow up in a positive, loving family. My father recognized early in his ministry and counseling practice that issues of self-esteem were at the root of so many triggering events that brought clients into his counseling room. He was so convinced of the role of self-esteem that he wrote a book on the topic more than 30 years ago called What the Bible Says About Self-Esteem. This book was written as a daily devotional guide for 365 days of the year, where each chapter began with a verse of the Bible that highlighted how unique, special, and loved we all are from God's perspective. Feelings of inadequacy, guilt, and shame that result from sustained negative messages or mistakes in life have detrimental health effects. According to Michael Lewis, Ph.D., shame is the quintessential human emotion. And Donald Nathanson, M.D., says, all extravagant behaviors are reactions to it. Marilyn Sorensen, Ph.D., author of Breaking the Chain of Low Self-Esteem, says, early in life, individuals develop an internalized view of themselves as adequate or inadequate within the world. Children who are continually criticized, severely punished, neglected, abandoned, or in other ways abused or mistreated get the message that they do not fit in the world, that they are inadequate, inferior, or unworthy. The field of positive psychology is growing in popularity in great part due to the work of Martin Seligman and his groundbreaking work on the science of happiness. Seligman teaches new ways to think about self-worth by focusing on the positives. Real, lasting happiness comes from focusing on one's personal strengths rather than weaknesses and working with them to improve all aspects of one's life. Many wellness experts who help employers develop cultures of health in the workplace, like my friend Rose Gantner, recognize that self-esteem is at the heart of well-being. She incorporates the components of positive psychology into wellness programs, recognizing that improved exercise and nutrition are not enough to address issues like depression. There is no simple, easy formula or solution for dealing with low self-esteem. The following tips from John Grohall, PsyD, offer a good start. Take a self-esteem inventory. Set realistic expectations. Set aside perfection and grab hold of accomplishments and mistakes. Explore yourself. Be willing to adjust your own self-image. 
Stop comparing yourself to others. The messages we internalize can rob us of self-worth if we allow them, and sometimes we send messages that can negatively impact others. I am reminded of the teaching of my first sales trainers who said, never tell anyone to go to hell because they won't go just because you told them and they will never forget that you told them to. I am not sure where I have found the following story, but I share it because it's a beautiful reminder of the hurt that we experience and sometimes inflict on the ones we love the most. A frail old man went to live with his son, daughter-in-law, and four-year-old grandson. The old man's hands trembled, his eyesight was blurred, and his step faltered. The family ate together at the table, but the elderly grandfather's shaky hands and failing sight made eating difficult. Peas rolled off his spoon onto the floor. When he grasped the milk, the milk spilled on the tablecloth. The son and daughter-in-law became irritated with the mess. We must do something about father, said the son. I've had enough of his spilled milk, noisy eating, and food on the floor. So the husband and wife set a small table in the corner. There, grandfather ate alone while the rest of the family enjoyed dinner. Since grandfather had broken a dish or two, his food was served in a wooden bowl. When the family glanced in the grandfather's direction, sometimes he had a tear in his eye as he sat alone. Still, the only words the couple had for him were sharp admonitions when he dropped a fork or spilled his food. The four-year-old watched it all in silence. One evening before supper, the father noticed his son playing with wood scraps on the floor. He asked the child sweetly, what are you making? Just as sweetly, the boy responded, oh, I'm making a little bowl for you and mama to eat your food in when I grow up. The four-year-old smiled and went back to work. The words so struck the parents that they were speechless. Then tears started to stream down their cheeks. Though no word was spoken, both knew what must be done. That evening, the husband took grandfather's hand and gently led him back to the family table. For the remainder of his days, he ate every meal with the family, and for some reason, neither husband nor wife seemed to care any longer when a fork was dropped, milk was spilled, or the tablecloth soiled. You are awesome. We all make mistakes, we all have negative experiences, and we have been told we are not good enough. There are many fine resources to help you discover and apply your strengths, including Marcus Buckingham and Donald Clifton's book, Now Discover Your Strengths, How to Develop Your Talents and Those of the People You Manage, as well as gift inventories that help people find their unique gifts. Amy Cuddy, in her book, Presence, Bringing Your Boldest Self to Your Biggest Challenges, and her famous TED Talk, describes how she overcame a traumatic automobile accident where her IQ dropped two standard deviations. For her whole life, her identity was tied up in being smart, and now she was devastated that she could not keep up academically. She wanted to hide. She felt like she did not belong. She devalued herself. In spite of her fears and doubts, she struggled mightily through college and even graduate school. With the inspiration of a professor, she learned how to fake it until she became it. 
and now is a psychologist and associate professor at Harvard Business School and known worldwide for her work on how people judge and influence each other and themselves. She could have cowered in fear and disappointment, but instead she made herself big and overcame. I highly recommend her TED Talk on www.ted.com called Your Body Language Shapes Who You Are, which features her research and her personal story. The talk has gone viral in over 2 million views, and her story has inspired so many, including me. Edward Hallowell, MD, in his book Shine, writes, Smart is overrated. Talent is overrated. Breeding, Ivy League education, sophistication, wit, eloquence, and good looks, they matter, but they're all overrated. What really matters is what you do with what you have. Adam Grant, in his book Originals, How Nonconformists Move the World, says, Although child prodigies are often rich in both talent and ambition, what holds them back from moving the world forward is they don't learn to be original. Grant tells stories about how great change was brought about in the world by reluctant but original people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You have the most important ingredient to make a difference in the world, your own originality. My friend Kevin Garrett is an original and a nonconformist. He photographed the art I produced for the cover of this book, took my author's photo, and he took his portfolio to an art director for a firm that did corporate work for Fortune 500 companies. It was shortly after 9-11, and Kevin's entire portfolio was based on his work with a travel photographer concentrating on the Caribbean. The art director looked at his book and then handed it back to him, commenting, nice work. So are you going to hire me, Kevin asked? Your pictures are gorgeous, but what do they have to do with shooting factory tours and products, the man asked. If I can capture all the motion and energy in these shots, I know I can do what you need, Kevin replied. Give me something small that you don't really have a lot riding on, and if I mess it up, I won't ever ask for a job again. What he didn't say was that he had a wife and two young sons and was at the point where he felt pressure to shift his career direction, given the slump in travel at the time. The art director agreed and gave him a small job to shoot that week. Kevin ended up getting thousands of dollars worth of work from that client and still works for him today. He got those results because he refused to devalue his talents simply because he couldn't show samples of that particular kind of work right at the moment. Make no mistake, no matter your lot in life, no matter the suffering you have experienced, you have something inside of you that is very special. The great poet Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, Every man I meet is my superior in some way. In that I learn of him. Give yourself more credit, do something with what you have, and stop devaluing yourself. Questions for reflection. What things in your life are you most thankful for? What would people that know you best say are some of your strengths? Who values you the most in life? Music.